This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Do you want to do something that will be beneficial to your psychological, spiritual, and mental well-being? Well, get ready, because what I am about to tell you flies in the face of conventional wisdom. There is a recent study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, which shows that if you want to do something, if you want to do something beneficial for yourself, keep a secret. Keep something secret. As long as it's positive, it energizes us. This is according to a recent study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. So if you're familiar with that giddy feeling you get when you're about to reveal some good news or the joy of watching someone unwrap a present you know they're going to love, you might be doing something right. So the science of secrets has so far focused on their negative effects. New York Times uh, writes that studies show that holding on to secrets that are weighing us down, like lies or violations of trust, maybe infidelity or something like that, it leads to stress, anxiety, and depression. But the good news good news kept to ourselves has the opposite effect. So one reason that they say keeping positive secrets stimulates us might be that holding on to something before sharing it with others makes us savor it. That's the word from Michael Slepian, a Columbia professor and a lead author of the study. That's what he said to the New York Times. He said, Positive events tend to sort of blend together. One way to sort of break out of that and to leverage the positive experiences that we all have is to just spend a little more time with them, thinking about them, reflecting on them, and enjoying them. So they say the bottom line is throw more surprise parties, give more little gifts, and try keeping your happy news to yourself for a little bit longer. It's good for your spirit. You know, I, it's funny because I was just discussing this story because I had seen it on Friday with my three siblings. And I got together with uh, my three siblings on Friday night, and it was a surprise for my brother Nick. Well, it was a partial surprise. It was, it's his birthday coming up in a couple of days. And so my brother Alexander was taking Nicholas to um, dinner for his birthday. And so my sister Claudia and I met them as a- after dinner for drinks as sort of a surprise for you know Nick's birthday and he really got a kick out of it but 
You know, my brother Alexander indicated to the three of us. Now, the, the thing, there are a lot of differences between all four of us. We look different. We have different uh, professional fields. We have different things that we enjoy, um, you know, different, uh, different everything. But the one, th- the, the, well, maybe there's two. There's two things that we all have in common. When given the opportunity, we've all been known to drink to excess. Obviously, my sister was driving, so she didn't on Friday. But in in general, if you ever invite the four of us to a wedding with an open bar or something, I can promise you we will be getting your money's worth. The other thing is all four of us like to bust chops in general, but especially bust one another's chops and uh they're they're very witty they're very bright i I am the and this is not me being humble this is just being descriptive i am the least intelligent out of my four siblings so it's um it's it's very fun when you could be with three people that love to bust chops and so my brother alexander mentions that he's got some news that he's going to be sharing with us and i don't know what the news is but uh they're all pressuring him to share the news and i said no You can't because if it's good news, and I don't know what it is, but honestly, but if it's good news, whether it's professional or personal or something else, this study says that holding on to it for as long as possible energizes you. And according to this study, as written about in the Times, it also helps you if you are keeping someone else's secret. For instance, if someone tells you that they're uh, having a baby and they say, please don't tell anyone, keeping that good news a secret, it does help you. It energizes you. And it also, I think, to some extent, this is my saying this. I don't know that this is spelled out in this uh, Journal of Personality and Social Psychology study. It also, I think, brings you closer to the person that you're in concert with in terms of keeping that secret. So uh, that's... As they say, is that 800-848-9222. You're welcome to comment on anything that we have covered thus far. I know the show is early, but um, we've covered a lot of ground already. And we're going to read your emails in just a little bit. So if you have email that you want read on the program, you can uh, email me at frank.morano. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Dot com. Uh, let me first say hello to Anne in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, who's been holding. Hi, Anne. How you doing? Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm having a difficult time hearing you. Okay, Sinatra won two Oscars. Did you know that? Well, are you counting the honorary award? No. Uh, there's an excellent documentary on Netflix called Sinatra. It chronicles his life and career from when he was a teenager. Well, so I know... The most famous Oscar is From Here to Eternity. Right, that's the one I'm familiar with. What is the other award? As a teenager, he did a documentary on discrimination. Oh, And he won an Oscar, and I was shocked. So that's an excellent documentary, because not only does it chronicle his life as a skinny teenager in uh, New Jersey, it takes him through his whole career... Yeah, you know, I I think Hollywood, right? And and I I think you're talking. 
I think you're talking about the house I live in, uh, which is a short film that was uh, that he was that he was in that was made to oppose anti-Semitism at the end of World War Two. That was um, that was an honorary award. Now, it's great that they recognized him, but it's not like he was competing against other actors as he was, say, in a, a best supporting actor category. But uh, look, I'm not taking anything away from the short. I've seen the short. It's very moving, especially at that point in our history when, you know, you have the Holocaust going on and everything. But, um, yeah, I uh, I know he was also nominated for The Man with the Golden Arm, which is also a terrific film. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Anne. I'll check out that uh, documentary if I hadn't if I haven't seen it. 800-848-9222. Al is here in New York City. Hello, Al. Hey, Frank. Two excellent, illuminative uh, interviews. Very, very good. Thank you. I'm sorry you had. I'm sorry you had to take those courses. Was that because of the Popeye joke? Wait. <laughs> probably. Probably it was. How how Popeye keeps his uh, his equipment there from getting uh, rusty in the salt air? <laughs> yeah, he kept it in olive oil. Uh, and a lot of people will pass the written, but then they fail the oral. Listen, uh, as far as Frank, check this out. Uh, his favorite saying was always, I'm going to live till I die. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was dying of a heart attack, his wife, Barbara Marx, uh, ironically, Groucho Marx's wife, kept saying to him, Frank, keep fighting, keep fighting. And he kept saying, his last words were, I'm losing. <laughs> and uh, in his burial, where he's buried, his gravestone in Palm Springs says, the best is yet to come, and they put a pack of camels and a bottle of Jack in his uh, in his pocket there. So great, great interviews. I appreciate it. And uh, you'd be amiss to uh, Remus if you were not to play Elvis and Frank together singing Witchcraft, which was Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it She's was absolutely, and the story behind that uh, that interaction between the two of them was uh, a lot of fun. We played that before too. Maybe we'll play it again today. If not, we're going to do some more Sinatra stuff tomorrow, also, because um, for the West Coast, it's not. It wasn't Sinatra's birthday until fifteen minutes ago. So different people experience this show at different times. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two. To to Pamela is in New Jersey. Hi, Pamela. Good morning. Um, yeah, if you separate Sinatra's, you know, great talent, there's some people that when they walk in a room, they take all the oxygen out of the room. And I, I've and my dad was like that. I, I've seen it. Um, you always want to be around him. People were attracted to him. And I read a lot of books on him, his life and everything, and people who knew him. And um, and it, it's I don't think it's just the fame uh, and, and celebrity. Of course, that's a big part of it. But I, I really think these kind of people, I don't know, they're heavenly sent or something. They've got this charisma that just follows him, them around. And uh, even in his bad moments, of course, he had some bad moments. But he, you know, in the late 40s and everything, when his voice cracked and he was down and out, um, you know, and Ava Gardner helped him get out of that uh, depression. But that was more self-isolation. And he he, he um, struggled on. And maybe it was his beginnings, you know, when he struggled to be born. Um, sometimes, you know, I wonder about that. And I, I think it goes, you know, like that gentleman said before, he didn't have the best voice. But um, as far as the instrument, like he couldn't always reach the notes. But what he did with it was a singular talent and it and it um i don't know i just think some people are just blessed in certain ways with um 
you know, we, we still can't stop talking about him. And I know, like, say I'm dozing off and I'm listening to, you know, music. I'll, I'll wake up when a, a Sinatra song comes on and I'll like, oh, you know, it penetrated my brain because I just, when he sings, you believe it. I don't know if it's the same for men, but women that the late 50s with the Ava Gardner influence and everything, when we women listen to him, we believe it. Uh, you know that's such an astute analysis, Pamela. Uh, well said, and I think you're I think you're right on the money, uh, at least from my perspective. Hey, there's one other story that I, I had on my list of things that I had to mention to you because I think this is a really big deal, and it just broke. You know, less than I don't know, l- less than seven hours ago, and so far this has not turned into be the blockbuster news story that I believe it deserves to be. Google just lost its first antitrust trial as a San Francisco jury returned a decision that Google harmed rival Epic Games, the maker of the popular video game Fortnite, which I know a lot of people are into, a lot of people play. I don't I never played it, I don't know anything about it. But in this for in the forty-eight billion dollar app store. Android market. Google is facing all sorts of antitrust cases in different parts of his business. This is the first trial to reach a decision. And this is, I think, the right decision. And going forward, this could have far reaching implications. This could be as significant as signaling the beginning of of these big tech giants breaking up, which if it happens is going to be even bigger when Ma Bell broke up. And again, I don't care whether you're conservative or liberal, monopolies are not good for anyone. They're not good for consumers. They're not good for the people that work in these businesses. They're not good for people trying to compete. They're not good. Uh, and they're, you know, in order to have free markets, you have to have fair markets. Monopolies, by their very definition, are unfair. So three years ago, the CEO of this company, if you're not familiar with it, just bear with me. The CEO of this company, Tim Sweeney, he was he launched this dramatic legal assault against Apple and Google for monopolizing which ba- the the on ramp to the Android phone, which is their app store. The case didn't come from the left or from the right, but it came from the commercial world. It was part of what Matt Stoller, who writes about monopolies, who's been a guest on the show, called a civil war in American business. As you had smaller companies across the economy. They began marshalling against these big tech giant Goliaths. Epic sued both Apple and Google to break up their ironclad control over the app stores. Wall Street Journal summarized the case this way. Epic's case centered on Google's dominant position in the market for apps on mobile devices. Running the company's Android software and the fees it charged developers... For its Play Store, the game developers in 2020 began encouraging Fortnite players to pay Epic directly for purchases of in-game items rather than using systems developed by Google and Apple. Both tech giants kicked Fortnite out of the app stores. So are we clear so far on what happened? So you're playing Fortnite, and again, I don't know how Fortnite works, but let's say you can buy a widget, 
while you're playing Fortnite. Fortnite says, just give us the money. We'll give you the widget. Give us the money. Google and Apple said, oh, no, no, no. You have to give us the money. We'll keep some of it and then give it to you, the Fortnite people. You give the end user the widget. Well, we don't want to do that, Fortnite says. Google and Apple say, oh, yeah? Okay. Well, you're off our platform. It became very clear during the trial that Google's goal was to maintain their dominance by preventing the emergence of other app stores. They worried about something called a contagion effect with other gaming companies doing the same thing if Epic were to move their Fortnite away from the Google Play Store. So the tech giant paid Google $360 million to Activision Blizzard and millions of dollars to 19 other game developers as part of an initiative that they called Project Hug. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a beautiful name for anti <laughs> anti freedom? Oh, I see. You know, I'm mentioning Google. My Google phone just started doing things. Isn't that a beautiful name for something? So anyway, um, this Project Hug was an initiative that Epic said was aimed at discouraging them from developing rival app stores. So the search company argue Google that the payments encourage gaming companies to make their titles available in the Play Store. So the judge also ruled that Google had destroyed relevant trial evidence, and they told the jury to weigh that behavior in their decision. The um, publication The Verge, Sean Hollister, wrote on what happened after the jury heard the testimony and the judicial instructions. Quote, after just a few hours of deliberation, the jury unanimously answered yes to every question put before them. That Google has monopoly power in the Android app distribution markets and in app billing service markets. That Google did anti-competitive things in those markets and that Epic was injured by that behavior. They decided Google has an illegal tie between its Google Play app store and its Google Play billing payment services. And that its distribution agreement, Project Hug, deals with game developers and deals with you know, with other folks that were all anti-competitive. This is a long and winding road for Epic. This firm tried the same thing with Apple. They lost that case. That, they're appealing it. But they got the Google case to a jury, along with several other plaintiffs. Nearly every other firm challenging Google gradually dropped out of the case. They got special deals from Google in return for abandoning their lawsuit. But Sweeney from Epic was totally determined. He believed that Google helped ruin the Internet. He didn't ask for money or a special deal. Instead, he he sought to have the judge force Google to make good on its broken promise, which Sweeney said... Was, he characterized it as an open, competitive Android ecosystem for all users and industry participants. Specifically, Sweeney asked for the right for firms to have their own app stores and the ability to use their own billing systems. Basically, he wants to crush Google's control over the Android phone system. And uh, if you listen to Matt Stoller, who is the real expert on this, I think he did. So you could read the verdict here 
It was very interesting. So what happens now? In this case, the judge is going to come up with remedies next year. The order could be broad, and it's uh, almost certainly going to loosen Google's control over the mobile app ecosystem. Google has already announced that uh, they will appeal, so this case is far from over. But Google is in trouble now because it's now facing multiple antitrust cases. And these kinds of decisions have kind of a bandwagon effect. The precedent is set. In every case going forward, Google is now going to be seen by jurors especially as presumed guilty. Since a jury found Google has violated antitrust laws, judges are cautious. They don't like to be the first one to make a precedent-setting decision. Now they won't have to. Judges and juries are now going to have to find a reason to rule for Google. So uh, there are very interesting cases in a lot of other jurisdictions around the country Really interesting. I love this case because, and I love the result, because it shows a couple of things. One is that juries matter. Even if they're riskier for everyone involved, it's um, it, it, it shows that they still matter. And this quick decision by the jury is a big contrast with what we've seen in some of these other similar cases. Third, tying claims, which is a specific antitrust violation, This is good law. Tying means forcing someone to buy an unrelated product in order to access the actual product that they want to buy. The specific legal claim here was about how Google forced firms relying on the Google Play App Store to also use their Google Play billing services, which charges an inflated price of 30% of the price of an app. This practice tying it's pervasive throughout the economy so you can expect a lot more suits above these lines which i think is very positive and it also shows that big tech is not above the law this loss isn't just the first antitrust failure for google it's the first antitrust loss for any big tech firm so you hear a lot of skeptics talk about including me probably that the fix is in that the powerful will always win, that justice in our system is just a mirage. And you know what this case shows? That when you have a jury, that's not true. A jury of our peers makes clear that once in a while you can fight City Hall, and once in a while David did beat, can beat Goliath. Because after all, if you remember the story, David did end up beating Goliath. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com 
and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It's all cold down along the beach. The wind's whipping down the boardwalk. Hey man, you guys know what time it is. all been good and practicing real hard yeah clients you've been you've been rehearsing real hard now so santa bring you a new saxophone right everybody out there been good or what oh that's not many not many you guys in trouble out here <laughs> and you better watch out you better not cry you better not bow. i'm telling you why The great Bruce Springsteen singing Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, This is a birthday bumper music selection from my friend Lisa Johnson, who is not only one of the best uh, PR people around, but she is uh, really just a wonderful Atlantic City person. She is uh, really just part of my whole Atlantic City crew. I'm hoping to see her. You know, I'm going to be down there uh, with my wife, Rachel, this weekend. Hopefully we'll run into her at some point. But it's her birthday today. Hopefully it is a good one. And uh, this was one of her birthday bumper music selections. All right. Um, We're going to get back to your calls shortly. But uh, a lot of you prefer the written word. Uh, Let's get to as much mail as we can here as we go through. Those letters. Let's find out what you got to say. Oh boy! Mailman! Mail today! 
All right. This is from, I believe this is from Facebook. I believe this is Andy who writes, Hi, Frank. Please tell the owners of your radio network they need to order, like their T-shirts, bigger sizes like Triple XL, 4XL, 5XL. Please, I'd like to order an Other Side of Midnight T-shirt. You know, Andy, thank you. I actually didn't know that that was a problem. I will actually suggest that. Because I think the most of the products in the uh, other side of Midnight Online store are made to order. So I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that. So I will actually suggest that today. Uh, by the way, if you want to get a T-shirt or a mug or anything with the on, Other Side of Midnight Online store, you can just go to store.othersideofmidnightshow.com. That's store.othersideofmidnightshow.com. Uh, but if you use the promo code FRANK15, you could save 15% off. So there's some good stuff on there. I've raided that store. I uh, have bought a bunch of stuff on there, and uh, it's a great store. All right. This is snail mail. This, again, another person that rather than writing a letter and putting it in an envelope has instead written on the back of the envelope, although this person has submitted a uh, return address. It's JP, and I, I can't make it the last name, something with a Z. The back of the envelope reads... Dear Mr. Moreno, spelled M-O-R-E-N-O rather than R than M-O-R-A-N-O. Dear Mr. Moreno, your comments started with children in need of child protection were black. Then you said they were black and Latin. Frank, you are Latino, male. Your screener ignored your comments in the past about protecting the caller's privacy. If they wish to be anonymous, it may appear you speak with a forked tongue. Your attempt at a photo opt by inviting two people to your party simply because they were Arab and Jews was petty. Your words. Uh, Then he asks, what continent is the Middle East on? And then finally, he writes, lastly, I'm glad your guest, Napoleon author, informed you Israel has had nukes for decades and was recently invaded. Don't try so hard by having screeners who contradict your attempts at being erudite. I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you. Thanks for listening. All right. (laughs) Someone wrote me on the subject of Carmine crying at night and singing songs, which I talked about yesterday. Uh, This person wrote, do you think you'd be as joyful in talking about your son if he was your second or third child, or you think you'd just be too tired of it all? Would all that singing and parenting just get too routine? You know, maybe you're right. I've heard that from a lot of parents that, when your first child it rolls over, you run to get the video camera, you're sending out press releases, you're taking photos, and then by the time your third or fourth child is taking their first steps, you and your wife are debating about whether or not you even need to reach for the camera to take a photo. So I probably do agree with that. Um, this person sent a text message. You could send me a text as well at 8168Morano. When I heard that Santos collected money for a service dog for a veteran, then absconded with what he collected, I couldn't get past that. I agree with you. I mean, I just, I couldn't vote for him. Uh, another person writes, excellent interview, sir. You showed your true professionalism and interviewing skills. Curtis may have poked fun at you, but he always says you do great interviews. Thank you. Mark <laughs> writes, Good morrow, Frank. Speaking of George Santos, this guy makes Sammy the Bull look like a choir boy. <laughs> yeah, that's 
Another Andrew Cuomo. Blame everyone else but himself. Mark Z. Uh, well, first of all, I want to be very clear. Uh, no, he doesn't. Um, Sammy Gravano murdered 19 people. Okay? As best we can tell, George Santos has never murdered anyone. There's no comparison between Sammy Gravano and George Santos other than none. I mean, I don't even want to try and draw a comparison. So, no, I appreciate what you're saying, but no, you're not right. Joe and Ron Conkama writes, Hey, Frank, great interview with George Santos. Great show. You're number one in my book. Well, thank you, Joe. You're number one in my book as well. That's why your book counts for something with me. All right. Um, What do we got here via email? Ray writes, on the subject of uh, George Santos, listen to it, Frank, and still can't sleep. Enjoyed your question about his volleyball career at Pace. He walked into the gym one day, and there was a volleyball on the floor. He tried to hit it over the net, so yes, he did play volleyball at Pace. This is so funny, this response. Uh, This is on the subject of um, the hot mic that Vivek Ramaswamy was caught on. Tom writes, subject line, old guy reacts. He writes, the sound of Ramaswamy's stream caught my attention more than what Ramaswamy said. I'm jealous. This is an older fella who I guess has a tougher time urinating than Ramaswamy did. All right, John writes, another great interview, Frank. You are by far the best interviewer since the late Bill Buckley. Well, I will say, I have a lot of respect for Bill Buckley, but... I would venture to say, because I'm not constantly <clears throat> clearing my throat <clears throat> every other sentence, that I would say Bill Buckley could take a few lessons from me. I'm just kidding. Obviously, I was a big fan of Firing Line, and uh, Bill Buckley was a, a very bright guy. Noah writes, in response to the uh, show email that I sent out promoting the content that was on today's show. By the way, if you ever want if you want to be added to my email list, just email me and say add me to your list. My email is uh, frank.morano that's m o r a n o at redappleaudionetworks.com. Noah writes, it's possible and I you know I include a picture of me in front of um, you know kind of a, the radio station step and repeat. Noah writes, it's possible you may not want to hear this, but I found this message difficult to read. The text comes up on my phone in such a way that requires me to pan left to right to get all the text. Also, I don't want to be overly critical, but there's got to be a picture somewhere of Frank without the 5 o'clock shadow. Maybe you like it. I don't know. I know you didn't ask for that. I see nothing wrong with the attached look for Frank, and he includes another photo. Yeah, you know, I remember when this picture was taken, and one, I like using this photo because I'm about 15 pounds lighter in the photo than I am presently, so I don't want to use the photo. I mean, there are other photos that I could use, but I kind of like this one. It shows me at a radio station, you know, in my element. But, you know, I often have a 5 o'clock shadow because I can't give myself a close shave without getting razor bumps. So I have to use these special razors, which don't shave too close. So I I almost always have a little bit of a a 5 o'clock shadow in most photos. All right. Um, on the subject of George Santos, these folks from Southern Maryland write, great show. We hope that someday term limits will be set for all politicians. Please let us know when you know that George Santos's book is published. Hope the family, including the precious cat, are doing well. Always loyal fans in Southern Maryland. Barb writes, wet shoes and socks. Give us an update. Well, Barb, 
Today, my shoes and socks are not wet. They were wet yesterday, but yes, but today I didn't step out into any puddles or anything. There was no ponding, flooding the sidewalk. So they're dry. That's all I could say. I'm not going to read this whole email because this is a little um, lengthy, but, and then I'll, let me skip that one. The, I'm going to read this email. Two weeks notice is the subject. Frank, I think it only proper that if you lose a loyal listener that you know why. After 38 years of working the first shift, I am packing it in and heading to the barn. I have listened from the start and have enjoyed the wide variety of topics and characters that call the show. I will now become a next day podcast guy. So still helping with the numbers, uh, David, and I don't know if he watched his last name mentioned, but David. I, I have a big problem with this. I need people listening live. David, come on. Just because your hours are changing, you're abandoning our show in its live form. Podcast listeners are great, but live listeners just love them. Love them. All right. This is from a, a very prominent retired judge who will remain nameless. He um, On the subject of last night's show, he writes, Congratulations. Your observation that if you walk into a puddle, your feet get wet entitles you to membership in Mensa. Number two. What evidence is there that cats respond to a name being called? Ever have a cat expert on to discuss the issue? Even when we had a deaf cat, he knew when it was feeding time. You know stupid human feed me. So probably won't matter if you and Rachel use different names to call it, but as you recognize, you will lose this debate too. (laughs) Unsliced pizza is a better issue for you. Sorry to hear you lost two of them, me and cats. Hi, honey. Three. If travel issue was the reason your brother-in-law wasn't visiting and you drove him here, how is he getting home, genius? How big a suitcase did he bring? He packed almost nothing. I had to lend him a lot of clothes. And I drove him to the train when I came into work. Number four, I'll send you the worksheet I use in my class when I want my students to think about climate change. And he did. This was very helpful. I'm going to steal from that in the next uh, the next climate discussion that we have. Evelyn writes... On the subject of fake diamond rings, how many men will let a bride's parents spend a fortune on a big wedding that's over in a few hours and could be used for a sizable house down payment? Yet he becomes frugal when buying an engagement ring out of his own pocket. How many men think nothing of buying season sports tickets or spending thousands to see Springsteen or to buy a fancy car or have destination bachelor parties? I'm getting the sense that Evelyn has been has been chastened by some of her previous relationships. I'm not extravagant by any means, but I was thrilled by a three-quarters carat real diamond. Diamonds are forever, Frank, as is the feelings behind them should be. Doubt will ever hear lab-created diamonds are forever. Evelyn. Well, why not? That That's the kind of the point that I'm making, is these, these diamonds are the same. They're just less expensive. So, I mean, you are happy with a three-quarter carat diamond. You could get, for the same price... Probably a one and a half carat diamond that's just grown in a lab. That is chemically the same, but it's not from a mine somewhere. All right. Mike in New Jersey, our listener of the week, writes, if wet feet are your problem. Hello, Frank. Having wet feet just makes you miserable. Dry socks are the key to happy feet and a happy radio man. Keep an extra pair of dry socks in your everyday carry bag. They don't take up any room. 
and can make your next six or seven hours more endurable, more comfortable. When you arrive at the studio, remove those wet shoes and socks and dry your feet thoroughly. Someone of your superstar status probably has a subordinate exclusively for such a purpose. If not, I suppose you can do it yourself. Put those dry socks on and just go in your socks during your shift. It's not like you're working on a factory floor where you might step on a rusty nail or a shard of glass. Put your wet shoes near a heating vent and they should dry before it's time to head out. All good advice. All good advice. Martha writes, I'm ashamed my perfect large diamond is a blood diamond. I was young when it was given to me. Didn't know then that ethical couples have to scrupulously research history of each diamond. What my showing off cost in slave labor and violence. Well, that's the thing. If you had a lab-grown diamond, you'd be able to get a diamond just as big without anybody being oppressed because of it. Lester writes, Frank, my wife would have killed me if I had bought a fake diamond. See, I have to pause here. I'm going to read the rest of Lester's letter. But it's not a fake diamond. It's a lab-grown diamond. It's just not from a mine. It's the same chemical composition. It's not fake. It's not a cubic zirconia. My wife would have killed me if I had bought a fake diamond to start our marriage. She would have been very disappointed. Just like I would have been disappointed if she had silicone breasts. I think it's not at all the same thing. Um, Kathy writes, Hi Frank, God bless you and your wife for taking in ex-best friend into a much better situation. I wouldn't feel bad about changing its name. The poor kitty shouldn't be consigned to a name which he might equate with having done something wrong. Scratching your sister-in-law. Instead, I'd give it a lovable name, i.e. Buddy. A cat will never forget that you rescued it from, in this case, a person who had a falling out with it. Thank you for your compassion. You certainly are its best friend. But best blessings and peace, Kathy. Well, you know, the name, I brought up Esteban with my wife. She didn't love it. So our uh, babysitter, Lorraine, suggested maybe keeping with our theme of biblical names uh, like Mel- Melchizedek and Bathsheba, who we just lost. She suggested maybe Samson, which I'll be honest, I don't love. Um, got some good proposed questions for Dr. Sky here. And, uh, do one last one here. Um, let's see here. We end with a good one. Um, all right. I'll end with this one. Hello, Frank. I love your show. I must say, though, the, oh, we read this. This is the fellow that doesn't like that Raji is, uh, is always getting on. The 15 seconds of uh, of fame. All right. Uh, on the subject of Pearl Harbor, Edward Sachs writes, Frank, I listened to your podcast of Pearl Harbor. What, in my opinion, was going on was after Operation Barbarossa happened, the USA was the only major country at war. Every country in the world was at war except the USA. In response to Barbarossa, America created the Pentagon, which says a lot. The U.S. government, I believe, deprived the Japanese in getting oil shipments prior to Pearl Harbor, thus provoking the war. As James Biden has used the term plausible deniability, the government may not have known where when Japan was going to strike. You and I agree similarly that Israelis knew something was going to happen. I watched The Watchmen on YouTube, and they have said Hezbollah has over 150,000 in southern Lebanon for quite some time. These events are not black swan events. Good shows. 
Ed Sachs. Thank you, Ed. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would have read more critical email, but for whatever reason, I didn't get that much critical email this week. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll end with this one, actually. Um, Marianne writes, did your parents name you Frank after old blue eyes Frank Sinatra? And uh, happy birthday, Frank Sinatra. I uh, No, I was not named after Frank Sinatra. I was named after my paternal grandfather who died before I was born, but I'm, I'm told was quite a guy. I would have loved to have met him. All right. Um, not a lot of negative emails this week. It's not because I didn't read them. Uh, I read everything that was negative. I guess most of the negative nillies are uh, commenting in the Facebook group. And boy, are they commenting. There's people there that uh, don't like my stories about um, my son, people there that don't like me being smacked around by George Santos. Wow. There's people, uh, you know, that uh, uh, that take issue with uh, my opinions on certain things, even a couple of people that don't like Gnome, uh, some people that don't like my responses to how are you. So uh, a whole bunch of things. I'm just looking through these now. If you want to join the Facebook group and say something positive or negative, uh, just go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano or go on Facebook and search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. The only thing that we had ask is that you keep the posts topical. Topical, please. All right. If we didn't get to your letter today, hopefully we will on the next edition of... Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Blame it all on my roots I showed up in boots And ruined your blind tie affair The last one to know The last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise And the fear in his eyes When I took his glass of champagne I toasted you said, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain. Cause I got friends in long places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Singing Friends in Low Places, a wonderful song, um, as selected for her birthday by the lovely Lisa Johnson, president of uh, Lisa Johnson Communications. Great lady. All right. uh, If you want to comment on anything we're talking about, 800-848-9222. We're going to get to your calls momentarily. A lot of you wondering what happened with the shrimp. Well, I did take the shrimp that was in our refrigerator at work. That was left over from the party. I did take it home, and uh, it was great. It was great. It's like shrimp cocktail style, really good. And a judge had come over for the menorah lighting at our house yesterday. So my brother in law was over, my wife is over, the judge is over, and and I'm there, and Carmine's there, and we're all shrimp people. 
all of us, even my son. So we take out the shrimp, and I, I find a little horseradish, find a little wasabi, find a little tartar sauce. I can't find cocktail sauce. So I'm looking around. Honey, do we have any cocktail sauce? She says, I feel like we must have it. I just don't know where it is. So she's looking around. I go into the bar. I pour my brother-in-law a glass of wine, pour the judge a glass of wine, pour my son a a cup of uh, seltzer, which he's obsessed with, loves seltzer. Or actually, it's uh, sparkling water, but he calls it seltzer. And um, chop up some shrimp for him. My wife comes out, and she says, ha, I found cocktail sauce. And the judge takes a look at this and says, This cocktail sauce expired two years ago. And I said, it was unopened, by the way, unopened. I said, that's okay. It's still good. I did a whole segment on the radio about this. Expiration dates are meaningless. Meaningless. I said, bring that cocktail sauce over here. I will have some. And sure enough, I had some, and it was delicious. I had a whole bunch of this shrimp. It was great. Had some in the tartar sauce, some in the horseradish, some with the wasabi, some mixed with the cocktail sauce and all those. And then I'm having some. My brother-in-law had one. I said, Jared, how come you're not having more than one? Well, I don't really like cold shrimp. Carmine had one. He enjoyed it. The judge didn't have any. My wife didn't have any. I said, honey, how come you're not having any shrimp? And she said, well, the fact that you would consume that two-year expired cocktail sauce It now gives me very little faith in your judgment as to whether or not that shrimp is okay to take home or okay to eat. So I'm not trusting you at all. And so what we did was uh, Jared had one piece of shrimp. Carmine had one. I had maybe 10 pieces of shrimp cocktail. Delicious. Delicious. But Jared, he chopped up the shrimp and he sauteed it in a – to make basically a shrimp scampi. So what we had for dinner last night was um, shrimp tacos, which was a, lo- a lot of fun. So best decision I ever made was taking that shrimp. Absolutely the best decision. I'm trying to figure out. There's still leftovers back there. Matt Blaze, I saw chowing down on some rice balls and meatballs. Did you, did you try them, Matt? How were they? They were pretty good for microwaving. All right. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for, for uh, reheating food in all variety of, of ways. There, I'm trying to figure out. There's a lot of beer back there. I'm trying to figure out if I can just grab a six-pack of beer, and if anybody would care. Probably they would. So I'm not going to do it because, you know, that's all I need is being caught in a scandal. They're looking at – they're looking for a case of beer, and then they go back and look at the footage. Oh, well, it's Frank Rana walking out at 5.30 in the morning with a six-pack of Becks. He looked like an idiot. <laughs> so – that's all I need. Would not be good for my uh, my reputation. 800-848-9222. Uh, Joe is in the Queens. Hi, Joe. Yeah, hi, Frank. Uh, you did a good job explaining the groundbreaking case. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to get to Frank Sinatra, but also LifeSiteNews.com has a lengthy article on the Freemasons relating it to the FBI. Uh, on right now. Uh Frank Sinatra, I thought he brought a lot of attention to those parts in the movies. I thought he was, like, uh, amazing as an actor. Uh, one movie I particularly liked was Some Came Running, uh, and his co-star was that very attractive blonde 
who was very popular with her college students, but had trouble with her own romantic life. So that popularity didn't translate into... Uh, well, isn't that uh, Shirley MacLaine that's in that film? No, no, the other woman, the, the, the intellectual, the professor that he was involved with in life. Hey, I, I gotta run, Joe. Help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.